As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Well, hello, my case watch crime creeps. My name is Kathy Hilton. I'm out of Chester, Illinois, home of Popeye the Sailor Man. Toot toot. I wanted to say I love your podcast. You're one of my favorites. I've been watching you since the very first episode of the, uh, I can't even think of the girl's name, the Peyton. But anyway, you know who I'm talking about. So I love you guys. And stay, stay crime, creeping and case watching. Bye-bye. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Doo -doo. I Lived love in her. a garbage can. It's uh, Gabby Petito yes. is what she's talking she's about. Do, she did what I do all the time when you put on the spot. You can't think of Remember that? It was a couple episodes ago. You just waited and you just like stared at me because you knew I was trying to like find the word in my head. It's my favorite pastime. Yeah, she, he's, he does those things to me. But you know what? I, I'm fine. I just keep moving around, moving on. I always love when people pick on people about doing stuff like that because it's like you get a microphone shoved in your face. Oh, yeah. 
and then you turn into like do it's true I know the answers to all kinds of trivia until, until I'm on the interested. spot. Yeah. And then I'm like, um, red? Yes. Like, uh, no, uh, the answer is orange. It's like, oh. Oops. I messed up. Yeah. It happens. It sure does. I did like that. Doot, doot. Doot, doot. That was awesome. I love when these come in. Guys, if you want to be just like that awesome crime creep, text the voicemail line is 603 212 4600 go ahead and follow the show on facebook and instagram at case watch podcast twitter case watch pod i might actually send out another tweet absolutely charity i'm gonna go ahead and tweet i don't understand how to use twitter if you'd like to follow us it's at case watch podcast on facebook and instagram and then ask for people to retweet it there you go great idea yeah guys retweet us the guys that know how you guys you crime creeps that know how to work the twitter universe the as so well, I can't even say it. Never mind, do the it. Tweeterverse. The Tweeterverse. Retweet that so that maybe we'll get even more crime creeps. I agree. Guys, go ahead and visit our website for links to all of the merch and stickers. Plus, you can join the exclusive Crime Creep Club by clicking the Buy Us a Coffee tab. All that and more at www.casewatchpodcast.com. I love my merch. I do too. Actually, I think you asked me to order something and I completely forgot. Yeah. So you'll have to ask me I actually me was just going to bring that up. I completely forgot. That's okay. It's been a busy week. I bet. So we have a long case you told me. So let's just jump in. Do you got something fun we could do at the beginning? We used to do this thing at the beginning. I don't remember what it was called. What was it? Oh, yeah. Triple D? I got some triple Ds. Oh, thank God. And it's it, been a while. It's a good thing we do because this next case is really a douchey doozy. Is it a douchey McDoucherson? It's all the douche that you could possibly think of is in this next case. All right, real quick before we jump into the triple D's, I've had a lot of people sending in ideas and saying like, oh, you guys should do a new sticker or a new shirt or a new this or a new that. I am game. Give me some great ideas and I will give the creeps what they want. So if you think there's a great shirt idea, send it on in and then we'll just make some new stuff. I want some new merch. I do too. I love wearing my own stuff. I Me go too. out there. I, I love my douche apple tree. That one's good. That is a good one. I have the douche apple tree. I'm actually going to modify a lot of the shirts and make them double sided. I so. love drinking from my douchey mug. I just don't have the douche mug. I have the case wash mug. <sighs> the douche mug just makes all of the things taste better. I can I see, see her now standing there holding it with like, you know, right on the bottom. With coffee. Researching. Just, sorry, guys. <laughs> Something we said apparently triggered, you know. Um, that was rude. Sorry. Keep yeah. to yourself over there, lady. You can't hear this episode early. Yeah. That was so fun. I'm leaving that in. I think you should. I saw it pop up on my, my iMac and I was like, that ain't going to say anything, is it? And it was like, oh, apparently it's going to. Oh, well, <laughs> well, just leaving it in there. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. All right. Give me some triple D. Hey, okay. here's, here's the first one. In Arizona, man decided it was a great day to break into a home. He picked a window that looked easy to get into and jumped through it. He was really excited because nobody was home, he thought, and he just was really excited. This window happened to be the bedroom window, and when he jumped through, <laughs> he landed right in a clothes hamper and got stuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> the homeowners found him and simply called the police, and he was arrested. So I think he like he went in bum first, so like his arms were straight up and his legs were straight up. He literally could not get out of the... Laundry basket. I would have found a way. I, 
He, he was he was stuck. It said he was stuck. This is so funny. Isn't that awesome? This guy is the biggest dimwit I have ever seen oh, or heard of. Yeah, he's a dimwit. That's a good one. We haven't yep. had a good dimwit in a while. Eric Rivers was arrested for being involved in a series of bank robberies in Lawrenceville, GA. In between these robberies, Eric saw his moment for five minutes of fame when he saw a local news van doing interviews. This dummy removed his hat and do-rag that he had sporting during the robberies because he probably looked totally different without them. Yeah. I mean, his face, it changed, the, the hat and everything changed his face. So. Yeah, yeah. He then gave a nice interview to the local news on camera about public transit. The news van was parked outside at Chase Bank, the very bank Eric was seen leaving after a robbery and walking right over to the van. Police followed the bank's lead. They were able to get Eric's name from the interviewer. Yes, he used his real name. This, along with the matching bank surveillance, led them directly to Eric and made the arrest. Lawrenceville police had this to say. You see, when you accept an interview and provide them with your real name, it actually makes our job too easy. <laughs> All right. In English, what he said was when you're a total dipshit and rob a bank and then go talk about it, like... We might find you. Exactly. All right. So we might run the gamut here. We had the dimwit. Yes. That was a total dipshit. Please tell me this this is a douchebag. It's more than one, I think. Oh, I'm excited. I saved this one for last because this one brought me so much joy. Oh, my God. You were turning red over there. I know. Two men walked into a bar in Sydney, Australia with machetes. So they walked in with full-on machetes like they were going to, you know, they were on a mission. And their mission. Was it more cowbell? <laughs> it was to rob the establishment of all of its money. Unfortunately for them, the bar was having a large bikers meetup. Oh boy. One of the thieves ended up in the hospital and the other ended up hog tied with electric wire. This is awesome. <laughs> I found so much joy in that. Not that they got hurt, but dude, they were going to try to hurt them. They had machetes. Oh my God. Can you imagine the look on their face? And they walk in like, Ooh. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. We heard somebody might need a steak knife. You guys are having a benefit dinner. <laughs> Here you go. They're machetes. <laughs> and I did appreciate the way you said machetes. Machetes. I love it. I like to make it extra fancy. Well, I mean, if that was a bicycle, you couldn't ride it in certain places. No fancy bicycle riding. That's true. All right, let's jump right in, Charity. What do you have for today? We're going to be talking about Daniel LaPlante, or LaPlante, sorry. And this was sent to us by our crime creep, Ariel. And it's a local case for us, Mark. Oh, great. Is Ariel under the sea? I would love it if she was. What if she's a beautiful little um, mermaid? They don't exist, do they? I think they might. Well, who says? I don't know. Ariel, are you a mermaid? Are you listening to us under the sea? Let us know. Let us know. Daniel LaPlante was born on May 15th, 1970. That scares me. In Townsend, Massachusetts. It does scare me that he, guys, that's Mark and I, that we share that birthday. That's our birthday. And we share it with, you'll see who. <laughs> I don't know who he is yet, so. I actually didn't and was shocked when I read about the case. Shocked. And this episode is going to play fairly close to our birthday, too. It is. This episode will be coming out on May 6th. <gasps> and it wasn't even planned that way. No. Great find. That's so cool. What are you guys getting us for our birthday? Yeah. We want to know. Yeah. Five-star reviews. <gasps> 
five-star reviews would be fantastic for our birthday. I go. love that. Happy, yeah, happy birthday, Crime Creeps. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts for the rest of the month could be the best birthday president for Charity and I. It would be the bestest ever. From the very beginning, Daniel was set up to fail. He lived with his mother, but was said to have been abused by his biological father, mentally and sexually. What a scumbag. Daniel was also abused sexually by his stepfather. Jeez, his mother really knew how to pick the winners for significant others, huh? Oh, boy, yeah. Mother of the year. Very early on, he was diagnosed with dyslexia. So school was a struggle for him. Many of his classmates referred to him as, quote unquote, the creepy kid or the weird kid. It's also been noted that he had horrible hygiene and was known to look dirty or messy or greasy. He was he was that kid, guys. Eventually, his strange behaviors were noticed by so many, he was made to see a psychiatrist. You would hope this would have helped him. Maybe he would have been able to tell someone in a safe place that he had been abused by more than one person in his life. That part's sad. Yeah. And these are people that were supposed to protect and take care of. Correct. The psychiatrist that he went to diagnosed him with hyperactivity disorder. We now commonly call this ADHD nowadays, and it stands for attention deficit slash hyperactivity disorder. Here is what good old Wikipedia has had to say, or had to say. (laughs) It is a neurodevelopmental disorder characterized by excessive amounts of inattention, carelessness, hyperactivity, which evolves into restlessness in adulthood and impulsivity. Impulse, impulsivity. I'm going to let her figure it out, guys. Impulsivity. <laughs> Some with this disorder can also display difficulty regulating emotions and have ex- executive dysfunction. I can only assume that this also added to his difficulties. Oh, 100%. So, I mean, having all those things is not easy. Nowadays, we have so many things that can help individuals to cope with ADHD, you know, medications, therapies, back. Then I'm not sure what they had at the time. I agree with you. Finally, a diagnosis and some help for Daniel, right? You would think, but what are you going to tell me? Nope. The psychiatrist also started sexually molesting him. Are you serious? What are the odds? That's, this is what I'm thinking. Young Daniel probably told him all about his abuse. And instead of reporting it like he should have, this loser jumped right on the bandwagon. This major a-hole decided it would be a good idea to molest him as well. You know, because he was already used to it, Mark. I can't even believe that there's this many scumbags involved in this case so far. Oh, it gets worse. Moving along, without anyone looking out for his well-being, Daniel, now a teenager, started to commit crimes. He found joy from breaking into homes undetected. He would break in and take items that he thought might be of value. This is where it starts to get really strange. After doing this for a while, he became bored and wanted more. He started to screw with people, breaking into homes, not to steal items, but to simply move items around. That's creepy. Maybe that's what happens in my studio. Just wait. He would even bring his own items to leave. So No. Yes. So not only like. You see, officer, I wasn't taking things. Yes. I was bringing things. His goal was to mess with these residents psychologically. That would mess with me. Me too. Because here's a couple things, right? You either think. You would say to your husband, you'd come home, you'd be like, "Um, excuse me, did you buy this? And he'd be like, no, did you? Or, okay, we have a ghost. We clearly have a ghost. Yes. Or, yeah, I don't know. Or I'm just going crazy. I must have bought that and I don't remember it. What's wrong with that me? That is so effed up. Isn't it messed up? 
they must have been so confused. Like you said, you just come home. I'm still like, thinking what? about I it. I know. This brought Daniel much joy thinking about what he was causing. It kind of brings me much joy. That scares me. That It would only bring me joy if it was like, if I did it to my brother, to annoy him, my older brother. I have a brother that's two years older than me, and I, w- I would love to go to his house and do this and make him think he's crazy because it would be so funny. All right. One of the funniest <laughs> things I did that brought me so much joy, and everybody has one of these things that they've done in their life, and they laugh and they giggle and they, they think about it. They still laugh. Back when Craigslist was a huge thing, I posted one of my friend's cars for sale no, with you his did phone not. number for like 500 bucks. No, you did not. And then said, make sure you call me. Want it gone today. And his phone kept ringing. I and I was with him this so day. I purposely you. did it this day. Oh, my God. And I was with him all day. And I've never told him this to this day. Does he listen? No, we don't have friends anymore for okay. other reasons, but wow, I was beside every time and I'm like, I How kept saying you- to him, I'm like, this is unbelievable. What's going on? How did you like not laugh? I, just- I was laughing the whole time thinking it was hilarious. I'm like, I feel so bad. What's going on? This is crazy. Oh my God. That's and funny. It still brings me joy to this day. It, I, visually so. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was wonderful. Sorry guys. Side tangent over. <laughs> Things would continue to escalate, and in 1986, Daniel would make a call to Annie Andrews. Again, that's a really cute name. That is. Annie Once in Andrews. a while, you get these ones that are really awesome. Like I just picture like Annie Andrews is this cute little girl. I don't know. I picture her as a news reporter. Oh, I like that. We still don't have our news names. This is Annie Andrews signing off. I like that. I know. Give us their news reporter names. I'm kind of depressed with yeah. you guys. Crime creeps. Get on that. You guys are so good at that kind of thing. So anyways, Annie was 16. (laughs) He's laughing at me. Let's take that out. No, let's leave it roll. Okay. I'm giggling. People know that we're too nuts. I try to make Charity laugh to throw her off her game. Like I'll make faces at her. That's another game that he enjoys, guys. I do. It's fun. Let me continue on. Annie was 16 at the time. Daniel introduced himself to the young girl and explained that he went to the same school as her and got her number from a friend. The conversation was full of compliments and flirtations. It went on for a good amount of time. Daniel representing himself as polite, attractive, and athletic. He pretty much made himself sound like the perfect catch. Describing me over here, polite, Ex- athletic. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking that too. Before the end of the call, he had gotten Annie to agree to go on a date with him. When Daniel arrived at Annie's door, she was shocked to see that he was the complete opposite of how he described himself. She decided, though, to give him a chance anyways. After all, he was so polite on the phone, and they had such a great conversation. This all changed after about an hour. You see, Annie, her father Brian, and her sister Jessica had recently lost their mother to a battle with cancer. Uh. So their mother had just passed away. Now, keep in mind, all of these homes and these people, they're all in the same community. So he knew this. He knew that this family had lost the mother. So the only thing he wanted to talk to Annie about was the mother's death. He was asking super inappropriate questions, making her feel very uncomfortable. This is this is an open scar for her. This yeah. Is, and so it was so upsetting to her, and it was the last straw. My dad passed away 19 years ago this year, mm. and it's still an open scar. Of to course, me. it is. So I could just imagine. What that girl was going through. Of course. 
she left the date disgusted with a strange guy and never looked back. So she was thinking, you know, I'm never going to talk to this weirdo again. And I think that this was another way of Daniel to be able to psychologically mess with someone. So he enjoyed messing with her brain. That's just disgusting. I, I agree with you. That's I'm down for bringing stuff to other people's houses, <laughs> which I think is going to be a new game I incorporate when I go to visit friends' houses. So like me and Kristen will go places and I'll, I'll just bring like a trinket bag of stuff to just leave weird oh places. My, and they can, oh. I have ideas. What about Facinus? You can bring his little statues along. Dude, I should border a whole bunch of Facinuses. Buy some and bring little Facinuses. You're right. <laughs> Just randomly sprinkle I, them. I, you don't know how much joy I have right now that I was able to say Facinus on air again. I love it. We'll have to come over for dinner sometime. I'm going to put <laughs> Facinus all over your house. I wonder if they have a Facinus ice cube maker. That'd be great. I'll have to check it out. All right. Sorry. Annie just continued with her day-to-day life. So she put that behind her. was like, thank God I'm not going to see that loser again. I'm just going to continue on. She and her sister, Jessica, missed their mother so very much, so much that they decided to try and contact her with the help of a Ouija board. The two sisters went down to the basement and conducted a sort of seance. Try as they may, there was no contact made with their mother's spirit. They didn't tell their father about this because they thought he would make them see a therapist to help them navigate the grief. So he kind of made it known, like, if I think you guys need to see a therapist, like, sounds like a really good dad. Like, if I think yeah. you guys need to see a therapist to help you, this is a sad, sad thing that happened. And if you need help, I'm going to get you the help. And they were like, no, we don't want to see anybody. We don't want to see anybody. So they they would not Good on the him. dad, though. Yeah. Ouija boards, number 886,922 of the things that <laughs> freak me out. There's so many of them. I, I am a Guys, wimp. Next time I know that Kristen is away somewhere. No. Don't. Yes. If I wish I had known you were sitting in the dark when we recorded last. <laughs> I would have scared the shit. I would have banged on the back of the I almost said a bad word, guys. Yeah, but you gotta remember, I know when you're here, I have security cameras all oh, right. corners of this house. So there's no sneaking up on my house. Exactly. And they come right to my phone. Well, after their seance, strange things started to happen. They started hearing knocks on the walls of their bedroom. At first, they were almost excited, thinking the knocks could be a sign from their mother. So how, how sad is Ooh, that? At first, okay. they were like, oh, it, it, she did hear us. She is trying to reach out. But the knocking started to become aggressive and would happen at any time, day or night. There were many times the girls would have been woken up in the middle of the night by the knocks. So that's how aggressive the knocks were getting. They were getting woken up in the middle of the night. They were being tormented, pretty much. Oh, yeah. The girls started to become frightened that they may have lured an unwelcome spirit into their home. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Along with the knocking... Items went missing and they would come home from school to find their bedroom furniture would be completely disheveled. And I do want to state that Ariel did say when she sent this to us that she thought because this was kind of creepy, it would correlate with your creepy new studio. And maybe in hopes to scare you more. She didn't say that part. I put that in. Huh? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. The girls went to the father and explained what was happening to them. Unbeknownst to the girls, Brian knew about their little seance, but he didn't believe in the supernatural and he had not experienced any of the things the girls were talking about. He thought that the girls' imaginations had gone wild due to their mother's untimely death and this was how their brains were processing so he just chalked it up to like they're doing it it's so sad they, though. you know they're doing it there yep. you know in the beginning months of 1987 oh my god this has been going on for a while that's crazy the girls heard noises coming from the basement they went down to see what was going on i'm doing a side note right now i yell at the tv all the time when this happens if you think you're in <laughs> If you think or you're pretty, it's pretty definitely the truth that you're in a haunted house and you hear strange noises coming from the basement, please don't go down there. Do you know what one of my favorite commercials is when they're being chased and they say, let's go into the shed. And it's full of knives and the other girl's like, why can't we get into the running car? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that one. scream to the TV and like, do not go in the basement. And they always go in the basement and it's always dark and the light doesn't go on. I just, I just don't do it. When they went to the basement, they found a message written on the wall with what they believed to be blood. Oh, boy. The message said, I'm in your room. Come find me. That is creepy. I'd be outside on the phone. 911. Hello. I actually picture you like a cat way up in a tree just sitting on a branch. That's awfully specific. Like away from everything so nothing can touch you. I don't know. Yeah, I get a view of you. Yeah. I do. I just Sophie heard just started meowing on cue. On cue. That's hilarious. Yep. Obviously scared out of their minds, the sisters ran to a neighbor's house to contact their dad. When Brian inspected the message, he realized it was written with ketchup. And again, and again, chalked it up to his daughters acting out for attention. We just had to record that over at least four times because Mark, before he told me to start talking, said something different every time. And what'd you say the last time, Mark? All right. So first time I said, and action, which yeah. always gets you to giggle. And I can't look at him because I can see his hand doing the thing from the side. Yes. And the last one was ready to roll, dill hole. <laughs> and then she lost it. Oh. Guys, mind of a two-year-old. Yes. We told you. Yeah. We, we They know what they're getting into. After the message in the basement, the activity slowed down for a while. I'm wondering if Daniel got bored 
and tormented other homes for a little while? I don't think so. From seeing what I've seen he's done so far, honestly, I think this is another one of his ploys to let them think like things are back to normal. Yes. That's what I feel. Yeah. It sounds like this was a full-time job for him. It really does. See, like what else? I mean, and clearly he didn't come from a good home because nobody was questioning where he was, right? Yeah. Things were starting to feel back to normal again. That is until Brian got another frantic call from a neighbor. This time, Annie had found another message on her bedroom wall that said, I'm back. Find me if you can. Oh, boy. Brian went into his home to see the message his daughter was frantic over. Right when he walked in, he saw another message written in ketchup that said, marry me. He then went into the girl's bedroom where he found Daniel dressed in his wife's clothes, wearing a blonde wig and a painted face. WTF in all caps with an yeah. exclamation point. Side note, ketchup, my favorite condiment. Oh, I would not waste it on painting on the walls. Exactly. I love ketchup. I love ketchup chips. Those are my favorite. You're so funny. The boy was armed with a hatchet, oh and boy. Brian had to fight him off. Unfortunately, Daniel was able to escape. The police were called, and a search was on. When the police searched the home, they found a crawl space in the girl's room, and in this crawl space, they found Daniel. It was discovered he had been living in the walls of the house for weeks and weeks. Oh, my and God. He even made peepholes to monitor where everyone was. That's probably not all he was monitoring, if you get oh, my drift. What a Sounds scumbag. like a lot of work, too. Yep. Daniel was taken into custody right away. But because he was a juvenile, he was sent to a juvenile detention center until October of 1987. I really wish that he was instead evaluated and given the help he was needed after all the abuses he endured as a child. I agree. It was clear that something was not right with him psychologically. But those who are unwilling... To accept help, yep, won't ever take it. I know, and, but no normal kid would hide in the walls of a family's house, screwing with them. No, I agree. Like knowing they had just recently lost their mother to cancer, that's pretty darn messed up. That's, if you ask that's me, horrible. Or we could look at it as a huge cry for help. Nah, I think this kid's just something's up. Yeah. Okay, would you like me to continue on? I do because that's not the crime. Oh boy! Yep. After being released from this light sentence, Daniel went right back to crime, breaking into houses and stealing whatever he thought he needed or wanted. These houses were usually right in his own neighborhood or close by. He was able to steal two guns from one of the neighbor's homes. Just what you want to give a psychotic kid. Here's two guns, not just one, but two. On December 1st, 1987, only about two months after his release from the juvenile detention center, Daniel broke into another home that he thought was empty. It was empty at the time, actually. Sorry. This was the home of the Gustafson family, and it was only about a half mile from his house. He was, of course, armed with one of his stolen guns. When this sick 17-year-old went into the home, no one was home. So he went about his normal stealing and moving items, etc. But 33-year-old Priscilla and her son, 5-year-old William, soon came home and found him in the house. Priscilla's seven-year-old daughter, Abigail, was due to walk into the house from school in a while. 34-year-old Andrew, the father of the home, was at work at the time. There aren't a ton of gruesome details of how this horrible day unfolded, thank goodness. It is known that Daniel somehow got Priscilla into the bedroom where he proceeded to beat her and then rape her. Oh. And they also he also sodomized her. Oh, great. 
Um, this is a little bit of, I want to let people know that the children are involved in this. So we like to give a heads up. This here. is your trigger warning right here, guys. Exactly. Finally, when he was done raping her, he put a pillow over her head and shot her twice, killing the poor woman. And Priscilla was pregnant at the time. Oh, great. Child. He then drowned little William to death in the upstairs bathroom. When Abigail came through the door, this evil monster grabbed her and drowned her to death in the downstairs bathroom. What a freaking douchebag. At about 5 p.m. that night, Andrew arrived home from work, as he always did. The house was silent, too silent. He walked down the hallway to the bedroom where he and his wife slept every night. What he found was a horrifying sight. His wife was laying face down on the bed, and there was blood everywhere. So much blood that he knew instantly she was not still alive. I can't even imagine that feeling. This poor man, Mark, couldn't bear the thought of finding his children, so he quickly ran from the house and called the police. When the police went into the home, they found a can of beer that hadn't been opened, two twenty-two caliber casings, and semen on the bed. Oh, boy. The residents of the quiet town of Townsend, Massachusetts, were trying to wrap their heads around this horrible massacre. Who would do such a thing? It's horrific. This horrific. is unbelievable. And, it, and that is a, you know, in a, a community like that, that's shocking. Very shocking. Oh, 100%. It was known that Daniel had recently been released from the detention center. Also, there were some items stolen from the Gustafson's home, the kind of robbery Daniel was known for. Also, he was living with his mother and stepfather less than a mile from the murders. This was enough for the police to question Daniel the very next day, December 2nd. Good. He, of course, denied any involvement whatsoever, telling police he was at home watching TV and only went out to go to his niece's birthday party. The police had a strong feeling Daniel had committed the murders. They just needed evidence. They went back to his house later that day, and as soon as Daniel saw them, he took off running in the woods. Nothing says, I'm guilty, like, let me just take off. Right? A scumbag. They searched the woods between the two houses, and they found a t-shirt belonging to Daniel and a pair of wet gloves. They believed the gloves were wet because they were used to drown the two innocent children. Oh, my God. Oh, with Daniel on the run and the items found between the houses, they knew they needed to find him. A state police helicopter was used, police dogs were called upon, and 50 state and local police officers were called in for the hunt. Everyone wanted justice for this poor family. So this community rose up and said, this is, this is not okay. Yeah, this is unacceptable. Well, I love the fact that they knew right away who they yeah, thought it was. Yeah. Goes to show this guy's character. Exactly. While attempting to flee, Daniel took a woman by gunpoint and made her drive him around. Luckily, she was able to escape and ran off. She called the police right away and explained what had happened. The description she gave fit that of Daniel. Many others had run-ins with this crazed criminal as well. With all of the calls coming in from the public, the police were able to find Daniel on December 3rd, hiding in a dumpster in Ayr, Massachusetts, only 11 miles from Townsend. So mm. the community was the number one reason they found him. Absolutely. And this is why we always say and always would continue to say, if you see something, say something. You don't know that little teeny thing that you thought you saw or you think you might know something. Could be that one clue that blows any case wide open. Absolutely. The police arrested him right away. And when they searched his body, they found a gun tucked away in his underpants. Maybe he was just hoping they would mistake the gun for him being well endowed. Oh, my God. Only you. 
The strangest thing about the arrest noted by the officers was Daniel was laughing hysterically the entire time. Really? Yeah, almost like a crazy laugh. I pictured something like the Joker. That's freaky. Like maniacal. Yep. Or maybe he was just trying to make them think he was crazy. I thought about that too, right? Trying to set himself up, knowing they were going to find what he did. <sighs> you might be onto something Let there. me just say I'm crazy. Daniel. Let me, yeah, let me pre-get right. this going that exactly. I am going to be crazy when you guys convict me. But guess what? A crazy person wouldn't know to do that. True. Danielle was charged with the murders of Priscilla, Abigail, and William. He also had many other charges against him for crimes he committed while on the run. All these crimes were then added to what he did to Andrew's family, to the Andrew's family. Remember the, the in the wall family? Yep. Wish he had received more of a harsher punishment for the Andrews family instead of being thrown to juvenile detention. There might still be three innocent people. Yeah, that's that what you got to think of. Yeah. You're no? right. At least if they had evaluated him and said, okay, he, there's really something not right about this guy. There was a ton of evidence against Daniel in respects to the Gustafson murders. Yet, he still pleaded not guilty to all three calculated murders. Before his trial started October of 1988, he was evaluated to see if he was of sound mind. He was. Sorry, not sorry. Don't care. Also, he was 17 at the time of the murders, but now being 18 at the time of the trial, it was decided by the trial judge, Judge Barton, he would most definitely be charged as an adult. Hmm. Thank God. Right. During his trial... Daniel showed no remorse and was pictured smirking many times. If you look it up, you want to smack his smirk right off his face. I'm resisting looking Ugh. this name up just because I want to, you know, not have this ruined for me. But I, I can't wait to see what this guy looks like. I would enjoy very much punching him in his suck hole. Actually, I'll, while I say this right now, because we've had a couple of people uh, comment that they wish we would start using pictures of the victims. I Yes, I did see that. All right. So the reason why we don't is because a consent issue. Yes. They're not here to give their consent to be able to use their picture for profit. Right. When you're convicted of a crime, as these scumbags are, you forego even having to have your consent because it's now public. that public knowledge. image is in the public. Correct. And I would never want to use someone's image without having permission to do so. Yep. And the ones that we do use from victims are ones that we were given permission to use. Yeah. In my opinion, this person is an evil person. What oh, hap yeah. What happened to him through his childhood years was horrible and probably fed into the already evil mind that he was developing. How can you have no remorse for drowning two young children it makes me sick. So not only did you kill a an adult woman who was pregnant at the time, I don't know if he, I don't know, didn't say how far along she was, so I don't know if he knew yeah, she was. He wasn't. may not have even known. Um, but to be able to do that to children is absolutely deplorable. A complete scumbag. A scumbag. Because this case was so public, Judge Barton decided to pull the jury from the Springfield area and sequestered them in Lowell. Judge Barton has very vivid memories of the Daniel LaPlante trial. He has had many things to say during an interview with The Sun. He remembered a defining moment when the then first assistant district attorney asked Andrew Gustafson why he didn't look for his children when he was on the stand. Judge Barton said, it was so quiet in the courtroom, you could hear a pin drop. Ugh. Andrew began to cry. 
He told the jury he was afraid he would find his children dead. He goes on to say, in all my years, I have never forgotten that moment. I have to, uh, I would have, I would have, I would have went to find them. I, I don't know what I would have done. I. Uh, what if they were still alive and what if I could have saved them? Yeah, I get your point. But also finding his wife like that, he wasn't in the right mindset either. So maybe he yep. just automatically screamed and ran. This goes and, to the same thing that we say with yep. all this stuff. Nobody knows how they're going to react until you're actually in it. Yep. One of the most incriminating pieces of evidence was a piece of Abigail's hair was found on one of Daniel's socks. Oh, wow. Guys, I could go into exact detail of how the children were found and what condition they were in, but I'd rather not. It's horrible enough that these little loveys lost their innocent lives by a real monster. So they, they did go into detail on some things, and I just don't think we need to talk about it. I don't it. think we need to as well. Massachusetts doesn't have the death penalty. The jury convicted Daniel on three counts of first-degree murder. He was 18 at the time. He was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences. Not enough. Well, listen to this. Technically, he has the possibility of parole after 15 years of serving each life sentence. So after 30 years. This should never be possible in cases like this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This douche nozzle keeps spraying his douchiness even behind bars. Did you like that sentence? I did. In 2000, he was placed in segregation because he was worried about his safety mark. The poor guy was worried that he might he might get hurt because he's a child killer. I don't feel bad for him at all. Not one bit. Yeah. I actually think that should be part of his punishment. Right? He actually sued in court, saying that he was denied access to the law library in prison. Also in his lawsuit, he stated his First Amendment rights were ignored when adult pornography that had been sent to him was taken by prison guards. Due to this, he was awarded $450 in 2003. Wow. You know, because his rights were being taken into consideration. What a little puke. You ever just look at someone and be like, you're a little puke. Am I going to look at this guy's picture and already oh, see the douchiness wanna, on him? You're going to want to punch the douche out All of right, him. Continue on. I'm going to look. Then, in January 2004, District Court Judge Nancy Gertner awarded Daniel's civil attorney almost $100,000 in attorney fees against the Board of Prisons for violating his rights. Ha I don't know. Oh, my God. That made me so mad. In 2017. Oh, he's such a scumbag. He's disgusting. Look at him now, too. The, the, the then and the now. Yeah. What a was, total scumbag. Yep. In 2017, Daniel attempted to get early parole. Massachusetts' highest court changed the ruling just as the Supreme Court had. This new ruling states that sentencing juveniles convicted of murder to life in prison without parole is unconstitutional. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I have thoughts. Oh, please share. And I'm not trying to defend this complete scumbag. He was under 18 when this crime was committed. And yes, I know once he went to court, he was 18, but his actions were still of somebody under 18. Right. I'm kind of don't know what to think because I would be a total hypocrite if I sat here and took the side of one person over another no, if it benefited one person more than another. I know. And I don't want to be that person. I know. I know. 
So this was in 2017 when this all happened. So thank goodness at the time, a judge gave him 45 years because when evaluated by a psychiatrist, it was clear that Daniel had no remorse. So he still had no remorse in 2017. In 2019, he made another attempt at early parole, reported by the Telegram and Gazette. Merritt Schnipper. That's a good name. Yeah, Schnipper, Schnipper. I don't know. He's the douchebag's douche lawyer. Said in court that his client's current sentence conflicts with previous court rulings, which say defendants convicted of murder as a juvenile should be giving a, quote unquote, meaningful opportunity to re-engage into society. He went on to say, is 45 years too much to serve for a juvenile homicide defendant before you are pushing up against the functional equivalent of life without parole? He then asked for an immediate resentencing that would allow Daniel eligibility for parole after 30 or 35 years. This would allow this crazy ass man out immediately or in just a few years. All right. He didn't just kill one person. He killed three living. And let's not forget that she was pregnant. So one unborn. Yep. Out in public, living his life, no remorse at all. He was given numerous chances. This guy tormented so many people. See, this is where I'm, I am completely conflicted, where I, I, I want to hate him, which I do, because this guy's a total scumbag. Yep. But at the same token, I'm, I don't know. Well, let me read on, because there's some more things kind of said about this situation. Okay. Relatives of the Gustafson family have pleaded with the courts to never let Daniel out of jail. Here is what Daniel himself had to say at this 2019 sentencing. Are you ready? I don't even want it. I can just imagine. Words cannot fully capture what I have done. I murdered three innocent people. Because of me, a five-year-old boy will never turn six. There's a seven-year-old girl that will never turn eight. Because of me, a woman will never be able to give birth to her third child. I robbed an unborn child of his first breath. A husband was never able again to hear from his family, I love you. I do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm I have caused. From every essence of who I am, from the depth of my soul, I am sorry. uh, Fabian Sala is a child and adolescent general and forensic psychiatrist, interviewed Daniel the summer before his hearing in 2019. So this is another person who interviewed him. And he had this to say. So you you just heard what Daniel had to say. This is the forensic psychiatrist, also has experience with children. He showed no empathy at any point given. He continued to minimize his behaviors. There was no evidence of emotion, no feelings, none whatsoever. Fabian went on to say, he killed a family in a very systematic fashion. These murders had nothing to do with his youth. There's no evidence that shows impulsive impulsivity is driving these offenses. I don't know about you, Charity, but to me, it almost seems like he knows what he needs to say yes. to get out. And that's what he's doing. He doesn't need to actually feel yep. any of this. Yeah. He just knows these are the trigger words I need to say. I agree. And it sounds like the psychiatrist is saying... He's going, bullshit. Right. He's saying that with some some juvenile murders, it is an impulse thing, right? Oh, absolutely. And these are the type of juvenile offenders that can be rehabilitated. So, you know, if it was an impulse thing, you know, these were thought out murders that he did. He didn't just flip and strike somebody and they accidentally died. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess there's differences in when your brain's not fully. You want to know what my feeling is? What? I honestly think 
that the previous case where he was waiting for them. Yes. He probably would have killed one of them. Oh, I totally agree. So I, I honestly totally think agree. this was a case that he yep. was given where he could live out his little sick fantasy. Yep. Fabian also brought up that Daniel was telling people he worshipped Satan and that he didn't care if he killed people. And this was just a year before he did kill people. Scumbag. The psychiatrist said that his actions are not consistent with someone who is truly remorseful. He called Daniel's tears a, re- a presentation, saying he was not truly upset. Crocodile tears. Yep. After Fabian was done with his testimony, the family members of the victims were able to take the stand armed with victim impact statements. They also provided pictures. Oh. Priscilla's sister, Christine Morgan, had this to say. This triple murder was not a childish mistake. Priscilla would never want him out to prey on society. No one is safe if he is ever released. I agree. Carol Gustafson married Andrew after he lost his family. Sadly, Andrew died of cancer in 2014. Carol said the murder of his family became a nightmare that plagued him all his life. Getting home to your family only to find your spouse tied to the bed and shot in the head. She said even on his deathbed, Andrew didn't want Daniel to ever get out of jail. Do not let this man out. He should rot in prison. He is a menace and a threat to society. I agree with these family members wholeheartedly, though. Daniel was again denied parole and will not be eligible until 2023. I get it. If somebody did this to my family, I would feel the exact same way. Yep. I don't know. This I, this one really hits home because it is so close to us. So close to us. God willing, let's hope Daniel LaPlante never sees the light of day. He is currently serving his time at MCI Norfolk Prison in Massachusetts. It is said to this day he still shows no remorse. Sadly, I couldn't find much information about Priscilla, William, or Abigail Gustafson. It's known that Priscilla was just 33 when she was murdered. She was a nursery school teacher and pregnant with her third child. How sweet. She must have been so sweet. Horrible. Abigail was almost eight and little William was five. Andrew and Priscilla actually went to high school together in West Brookfield, Massachusetts. Priscilla's father was a pastor at the local congregational church. They also both went to Worcester State College. They started dating when Andrew was a sophomore and she was a freshman. The couple was said to be very in love and in 1978 moved to Townsend, Massachusetts to start their life together. They became very involved in Townsend Congregational Church and they had an immense faith in God. When being interviewed by the Sentinel and Enterprise, Andrew has said that his faith, quote unquote, gave him the foundation to survive losing his wife. Believing there was life after death, he was sure he would see his family again. Oh, this poor man. That is horrible. He also said the only way to honor them was to go on with his life. Basically, you know, he he thought to himself, you know, Priscilla wouldn't want him. She would want him to go forth with his life. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, it was, some, it was out of his control. Although he did admit that for a fleeting moment, he did think about ending his life at the time. Thank God he didn't. I can kind of get that because everything that you've worked so hard for is now just gone. I get it. Well, listen to this next little bit and and tell me if this talk about getting your feels thinking back to when his family was murdered andrew remembers staying with his parents for a few days and going for a walk in the rain he remembers thinking god was crying with him 
Oh, my God. Oh, God. That really got me. That got me. Really bad. In an attempt to move forward, this broken man attended attended survivors of homicide meetings. He then became friendly with a woman that belonged to the same church named Carol Seaver. Oh, wasn't that the name of... Um, Growing Pains? Was it Carol? Was I it think her first it is. Name? Well, obviously, I, it must be because we both pop yeah. on and say the same thing. Carol had lost her husband to brain cancer. Andrew said, I leaned on Carol because of her experience with loss, and that led to our relationship. I think we both felt God's hands in it. Carol and Andrew got married and adopted two daughters, Holly and Laura. Andy, as his friends and family called him, passed away after a battle of cancer, or a battle with cancer, I should say, on May 22nd, 2014. At the time of his death, he and Carol had been married happily for 25 years. Wow. I don't know about you, Mark, but I am so happy that this man was able to find happiness before he passed away. What an amazing story of resilience. It really is. But did he really find true happiness? I don't think so. I don't think you could after that. I mean. I think you can find a coping mechanism. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know. and That's horrible. I guess you just have to. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, you're but fine. This guy lost his whole family and this douchebag is worried. I'm going to get beat up. That's why he's so mad. They're not allowing me pornography in jail. Yeah, and he got money because of it. He Give won a the stupid lawsuit. Break. I get so mad. Oh, I do too. Trust this me. This is the stuff that just absolutely pees me off. I thought this case was wild. I did too. This is the stuff that just makes me wonder how people like this are on this earth. Yep. All right. I want to give two quick shout outs. Okay. First one. I have my first hometown creep. Hello, Kelly from Claremont, New Hampshire, my hometown. Yes, I saw that. Born and raised there, lived there until I was 15 years old, and lots of my family still live over there, so that is super cool. And we have this thing going on in the Case Watch Crime Creep group where everyone loves posting their animals. And Pamela just took the cake because she wrote, I do have a cat, but how about a crime cow? His name is Samson. Yes. He'll be six this year. He can also be a big doucheburger. <laughs> and she posted a picture of her laying on top of I her crime cow. I saw that. I thought it was fantastic. Guys, if you are not part of the... I'm, all right. So now I'm sounding stupid because my... I know Charity's been in the group for I'm a week. The, I've been in the group for like a week and I'm like, yeah, you got to go there. It These people, you crime creeps, are awesome. You post the most amazing funny things you also post cases or ongoing things it's just it's a honestly it's the best community we have the best community do you know what i also i really like about it and this is being more on the serious thing we don't always agree yes but we're all civil oh my gosh uh, yeah that just happened yep and we can we can agree to disagree it's it's totally fine. absolutely like, everybody has a different opinion yes. not everybody just because i am sitting here behind a microphone doesn't mean that i am God's word and like everything I say, you know, goes, even though I tell charity that, but he, he tries to tell me that. I mean, he does tell me that, but whatever. But at the end of the day, we all have opinions and we can debate things. And if you don't agree with something we say or somebody else says, that's absolutely fine. Yep. Just be respectful. That's all we have. And something happened recently in the group and everybody was ultra respectful. And I love the way it was just a debate. It, it was, was just, just a, a healthy debate. debate, which I was like, yeah, baby, this is what I like. It's true. Because I learn stuff all the time from everybody and in this group. This 
this I really enjoy when certain cases bring up certain conversations because we oh, need yeah. to talk about these things. We Some of these things are uncomfortable and they don't want to be talked about. And this is how you talk about them. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's continue the conversation in the Case Watch Crime Creep group. Go ahead and check it out. I, I You won't be disappointed. And you it's won't be. absolutely free of charge. It, you know what it is? What's that? It's delightful. Well, guys, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to beat that one. So we'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys. See ya. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.